you would, take your hymn books. We're going to use this as a secondary text and turn back to hymn number 396. It's going to be part of our lesson this morning. Last week, we, I introduced a, a new series that sharing some of my reflections over the last few months in my own life about how different hymns, I've used them as part of my devotional practice. Uh, often what we find in the hymn is a mixture between poetry and theology. And sometimes they can uh, give expression uh, to things that are going on in, in our life, even when we can't. So 396 is going to help us this morning. That, and if you want the scripture lesson, that's on the front part of your order of worship. Let, let's pray. Oh God, as we continue to worship, what we pray, Lord, is that you would take um, all of this uh, to quote from Grace's prayer, um, the songs, the scriptures, the fellowship, every, everything that makes up this hour. Uh, we want it to be used by you so that what's created and formed uh, in us is the gospel. And we, we can't generate that without your help. And so we, um, we want to be receptive this morning. So in this whole service, uh, continue the work uh, that has started and, and use the scripture lesson and a way to to further that, O oh God, we pray and we ask this in your name. Amen. John Bode uh, lived in the early to really to the middle to the late, really the, the 19th century, 1800s. And he was a number of things. He was a writer. Um, he was a professor. He was an Anglican priest and was an ardent defender of the Church of England throughout his life. So much so that he was a sought-after lecturer, and he lectured on the defense of the children of Eng Eng the, the, the Church of England uh, in his day. And his lectures were not only attended, well attended, but they were circulated and they were greatly read. But of everything that he did in his life, what he's most remembered for is hymn number three ninety six. O Jesus. I have promised. Um, he, it was, actually, this hymn was so popular in the, the middle to the late 1800s that ministers got tired of singing it. Uh, you know, I, don't, I don't know if that's ever a pop, you know, I guess you can get tired of singing the same hymn over and over. Anytime there was a service that dealt with something like confirmation, where people would take public vows of their faith, uh, any service that had that theme, they would sing this hymn in cert certain pockets inside of England to the point that the ministers, they uh, would argue with their congregations and probably the, the, the music uh, ministers about choosing a, a different hymn. I mean, you, we just, we, we, we just uh, sung this hymn together, so you know, we have, we've sung this, and so we know um, verse 1 and 2, uh, verse 4, I mean, you see the theme about uh, in, in the world around about people um, being committed and that people being called into discipleship. Bode loved verse 4 because it reminded him of Jesus' call of the 12 disciples and how we are called in similar fashion. But the verse that is often omitted is verse 3. But I think that's most appropriate for us today. Oh, let me hear thee speaking 
in accents clear and still, above the storm of passion and the murmurs of self-will. O speak to reassure me, to hasten or control. O speak and make me listen, thou guardian of my soul. I have prayed this prayer for years. And I bet you've done something similar. You might not have mentioned these words or quoted the hymn. But I bet that at some point in your life, you've prayed to hear from God. To listen. Now, Bode mentioned two things in the verse that is problematic for human nature passion, self will. If you were to recall the last time you blew it, misstep, sin, said something, did something that, that, blew up in your face. Can you recall it? Probably so. Most of us can. I bet if you were to dig under the surface of that, not just the words that were spoken or the actions committed, but if you dug under enough to look at the real root causes, they're either going to be passion Our self-will. It's still a struggle today. When I struggle, and what I know about people when they struggle, either their passions get the best of them, or this issue around self-will, where they can't submit or humble themselves, And things like pride and anger and bitterness, that's what we experience. Have the same causes. Passion, self-will. Not only was Bode right in identifying the, the root issues, he's also right in identifying the remedy. If even if it is for a few moments... You could hear from Christ and allow that to be an interruption to your life. Because actually, when we make poor decisions, however you want to classify, there's actually a process to it. And what happens inside of people is that the process happens so quickly, so fast because it's been reinforced over and over and over again. It becomes automatic. What happens, there's a stimulus where something's outside that either a person sees and and it becomes, well, the way that James, James 1, verses 14 and 15 The way that James described it is this way. It says, each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed. And then after that desire has conceived, it gets birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, gives birth to death. And so what James is describing is that there's there's a stimulus. And then the, the stimulus is like a lure. You ever fish? 
cast your lure out into the water. And the fish sees the lure, and for, for the fish, it looks like bait, food. And so what do they do? They act upon it. Same with people. There's something that serves as a stimulus. And then there's thought or reflection around it. And then there's action. And then once we rinse and repeat, it becomes behavior. And it happens to us all. We've just reinforced that process so often it's automatic. And it happens like this. We see something, it's like a lure, we reflect on it, we think about it, then we act upon it, and then we repeat it, and it happens over and over and over, and eventually it leads to running off the rails. My life, your life, and the root causes can be boiled down either to passion or self-will. They still are struggles. My daughter works real hard to introduce a pause button to me, which means if we're having a conversation about something, normally, and I'm gonna have, she's not here, she's saying at the 9 o'clock, so she can't defend herself, right? That's what happens when you're not at the 11 o'clock service. She'll say, pause, Daddy, which means stop. She wants to introduce an interruption. We need a pause button, particularly when it comes to this process that is reinforced over and over and over again. Take uh, anger. Somebody say something, do something, and immediately there is a response. But what's happened in about a millisecond, we've witnessed something, thought about it, chose a response, and then did it. Right? I know the answer. Right? We do. And so what we have to introduce is a pause to interrupt the process so that we can learn a different way. Which brings us to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. Paul, in writing to the Corinth church, still true today, said the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. We think that they are because we think we're alone in this when we're not or that it's just unique to us. It is not. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful, for he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. And then this last part of verse 13. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. That phrase, a way out, it's, it's like you're walking down a path, and then all of a sudden you see a separate path like a secret pathway. What he's talking about, Paul that is, in 1 Corinthians, is a pause button. 
And often you can't see it until it presents itself. Think about how valuable this is. What is the value of knowing what to do and when to do it? How easier our life would be what to do and when to do it. That's listening to the voice of God to, so that you then can discover and see the escape path. The way Isaiah mentioned it in the text that Grace read is listen for the voice from behind that tells you this is the way, walk ye in it. Isaiah in his day, his people facing conflict, struggle, temptations. And, and, and for Isaiah, it was to hear a voice from behind that is more like a whisper than it is a shout or a scream. The key is we have to be in a place to hear it. And so how do you do that? How do you learn to listen to this whisper that tells you this is the way? Walk ye in it. I think the first thing that all of us would have to answer is do we really want to hear from God? I mean, the temptations that stem from passion from self-will, that they're such a huge influence in our life. Do we really want to hear? Because you have to ask yourself, do I, do I want to hear something other than my own voice? And some of us really love the sound of our own voice. As soon as I said that, some of you looked at the people that were next to you. Man, that's not fair, you know, so. Do we really want to hear? To be open for that pause button, that interruption. If the answer is yes, then I want you to consider two things. The first one has to do with training yourself to hear the whisper and not the shout. And there are a couple of ways that you can do this. The two that I would want you to entertain, and this is going to sound elementary, but it works. The first one has to do with actually studying the Bible, which means you've got to read it. The bottom-rung understanding of the Bible. If you don't know anything else about the Bible, the bottom-rung is it is at least a record of people who were given the opportunity to hear the whisper. And the record shows that some people cultivated to listen 
and some people did not. So if we don't know anything else about the Bible, just in knowing the narrative and knowing the story, you get examples of people who listened and people who, who did not. Bottom rung. Which means you got to know at least what it says. But there's a higher rung. In the process of learning the stories, and this is where there's a this is you know fair warning. What God does with the narrative is it becomes like a mirror. You think you're reading a story about somebody who lived thousands of years ago in their own culture with their own issues, their own temptations. But in the process of reading, it actually flips. You think you're reading about someone else, and then the next thing you know, the person that you're in the mirror is not this person mentioned in the text. It's actually you. That's what we mean when we talk about the Scriptures being inspired. It's what God does with the text through His Spirit that breathes life into the person. So study, reading, it actually, it, it, it aligns your antenna to hear the whisper over the shouts. Same thing with prayer. Both of those. Now, there are others. You can, there are other ways to, to cultivate a, a listening ear. And, and so people ask me all the time about how to pray. I mean, they ask Jesus about how to pray. And on one level, that's, that's an important question. But the issues when it comes to prayer, there, there are so many ways that a person can pray. You can pray the scriptures, you can pray the, the hymnal, you can make up your own prayers, you can borrow prayers from saints and people of old. I mean, you can write them out, you, you can just speak them, pray silently. On one level, it's not about the words you're speaking. It's about another issue. T-I-M-E. It's about time you allotting time to where you stop in what you're doing for a period of time so that you can listen for a whisper in a world that shouts. Over the last probably six months, I, I mean, I've prayed all kinds of prayers, but there's one that I have prayed, I probably pray this 10 to 20 times a day. And it's, I think it's like nine or 10 words. God, I want a clear mind, a calm heart, a resolved spirit, and a graceful eye. And about 10 or 20 times during the day, I'll pray that sentence. Nothing fancy. But you know what it does? I start thinking about my mind, my heart, my resolve, and how I see people. And so for 10 to 20 times throughout the day, I'm going, to, I'm going to be listening for God to whisper in a world that shouts. It's not necessarily the words that you pray. I mean, they're, 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 they're important because they, they're, they're how, how you express thought. 
But the larger issue is will you give it time? Just time in your day. Whether it be with the narrative so that it becomes a mirror or whether it be an inflection or spoken word, it does not matter. Both of those, they will create a listening ear for you to hear. So that's one issue. That if you've answered the question, I want to hear from God, that's the first. Train yourself to hear. The next issue, or the next help, you need accountability. Some of you are in exercise programs. Some of you have hobbies that you participate in. Are you less successful or more successful when you're held accountable for what you're doing? If I know somebody else is dependent upon me to show up or to do something with them, Am I going to be more successful or less successful? It's more successful all the time. So we need accountability. That can be with someone next to you. That can be with a class, a group, a mentor. It doesn't matter. But if you've answered the question, I really do want to hear from God, and I'm going to give it time, then I need someone to also hold me accountable who's counting on me as I am counting on them. Because what will not go away, passion, self-will, and the temptation for those to, to grow and to prosper in your life, it's great. But just because they are does it mean that we have to, it doesn't mean they have to be dominant in your life. There can be a different voice. But it won't happen by chance. And you have to want to listen. Because that voice will not shout and it will not scream. But it will whisper. And when you're walking down the path and you know that passion and self-will are so great, you will hear a voice. This is the way. And you'll see that path. Now walk ye in it. What I've always found fascinating is that in the Latin world, and you see this in the, in the language as well, you know what the organ is for obedience? It's not the head, nor the heart. It's the ear. I think that is so interesting. And often when the Bible talks about walking with God, it talks about what you hear. I promise you there will be a voice, but it will be a whisper. And if you give it time, you'll learn to hear it. That I do know. 
Oh God, we live in a world, it's, just, it's no different than the Old Testament or the New Testament. There's parts of the nature of humanity that want to feed off of passion, uncontrolled passion, our self-will. That's the root issue of things like anger and pride and, and bitterness. And it becomes a stumbling block for submission. Teach us another way. Train us to hear. To hear that voice that whispers. That says, this is the way. Walk ye in it. Oh Lord, this is our prayer and we ask it in your name. Amen.